here we are. Here I am. There you are out there somewhere listening. Welcome. I am Eve Sturgis. I'm here to talk about DNA surprises. This is a podcast called Everything's Relative. I found out that my family had a big old secret about who I really was or or who I really am, who I really am related to, uh, which was also a secret about my parents and their marriage and their relationship. And it's a secret about my childhood. And when it all came out, I was rocked to the very core, my very core. And then I found out that I'm just one silly little person in this huge growing population of people experiencing the exact same thing. It's often from recreational mail-in DNA kits that you see advertising their sales all the time. Can you imagine? I was rocked to my core. I'm still rocked uh, and processing this lifelong information, this information that's always changing. I mean, it. it's always processing. I don't just hang around. You'll you'll understand what I mean. Um, but anyway, that's why I started this podcast because I wanted other people to know they aren't alone. And I also wanted to capture this moment in time because I think at some point in the not so distant future, everyone's DNA is going to be so accessible that no one would or will dream of trying to keep the secrets, the kind of secrets that we're uncovering here. So, so yeah. That's what we do here. It's all about that. If you've been listening for a while, you may have noticed that lots of people come in here to talk about the book they wrote or the um, podcast they have or, you know, other projects about their DNA discovery um, and like how it's informed some kind of like creative or entrepreneurial venture. And I love doing that. I'm so happy to provide a platform for others. And I also know and love that it wasn't always like that. Um, my first season especially was just so so much slightly simpler. Like I just had people come on to tell their story and nothing else. It was really straightforward. So I sort of have an affection for that kind of episode. And that's what we have here today with Jenny. Jenny reached out with um, among the seemingly thousands of others who recently contacted me when I said I just had a few spots left. Um, so we met on Zoom. We met in my wonky office, or me in my wonky office, and she in her son's bedroom near a bunk bed. Do you guys ever think about how Zoom takes us into people's lives in a new way? We see people's... Anyway, you get it. Anyway, okay, I'll stop talking. I'm with Jenny. Here she is. Jenny, um, so tell me, yeah, so tell me where you are and... um you know, a little bit about like where you grew up and, and then how you, how do you tell your, your DNA discovery story? Okay. So I grew up in New Mexico and, uh, my dad and mom were married. They met in Washington and then my dad was in a wheelchair. So, okay. <laughs> but I, so I always knew that as a, you know, as a kid and it was just never anything that was like any red flags to me, but I grew up in a loving home. I mean, I never felt unloved. I am an NPE. Um, I found out when I was 42. So, and now I'm 45. So it's almost been two years. Um, 
anyway, so I've always been interested in genealogy and family history. And I always think it's, I'm kind of nerdy in that way. Like, it's so cool. <laughs> you know, where did we come from? And we all kind of like, um, I don't know. There's an author, Richard Scary. Do you know? Are you familiar mm -hmm, with his mm -hmm, book? His little animals? Like, yeah. And he used to show um, these books with like these little animals, you know, in real life. And you like look from above and they're like doing things. And I've always been like, oh my gosh, that's just like how life is. You know, everyone has a path and we all came from somewhere. And the person you drive by is going somewhere. I don't know. Anyways. Life as a Richard Scary illustration. That's amazing. And your parents stayed married your whole childhood? They stayed married my whole childhood. It wasn't the best marriage necessarily, but mm -hmm. yeah. And they, um, and were you, um, did you talk out loud about your, about your interest in history and genealogy and things like, were they aware, were they aware that you liked these things? Yes. So I am like the keeper of the photos. Like mm -hmm. I'm a photographer and I was like, if you die, I don't want any of your furniture. <laughs> I don't want any of those things. I just want the photographs. And my mom had done a whole history of her side. Like I have two books full of her like whole side of the family. And she never got around to doing all of my dad's. She like started it, but never got around to doing it all. Okay. And so. are you, is this Latter-day Saints related at all? No. No, just no, 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 no. family just. records on her own. Okay. I had had a couple friends do 23andMe and they were showing us their ancestry and their 23andMe results. And look at this little pie chart. And isn't it cool that you can see, you know, Mm -hmm. how much German you are and how much English you are. And I was like, this is fascinating. You know, I want to do this. And so mm -hmm. my husband <laughs> was like, <laughs> it's for recreation. <laughs> um, I have one more question about growing up. Did you have siblings? I did have a sibling growing okay. up. She recently passed away, unfortunately, oh, in April. Yeah, she was 43. Mm. So we live in different states. But I did have a sibling. We're two years apart. So about, and we couldn't be more different, but I'll get into that a little more in a little bit. But, um, so I told my husband, I wanted to do 23 and me and there was a sale, of course, you know, everybody's, there was a there sale. There always is. <laughs> I know, right? Just wait. And Just wait a couple a weeks and there yeah. will be some holiday that makes there be a sale. Yeah. And so I went to my mom in a joking way. She was here visiting and I was like, like hit her on the arm. And I was like, ha ha. It's like, I'm going to do 23 me. This is going to be so amazing. If there's any skeletons in the closet, this would be the time to tell me. Totally joking. And then she didn't say anything. Just total blank face. Didn't say a word. Just was like, and then we went on. And then eight weeks later, I got my results back. I was waiting for you to say like, and so she went in the other room and then she came back in and said, oh, no. fill in the blank. Mm -mm. No, no, no. Just a blank <laughs> face. And then she was like, that was as much she couldn't handle it. Okay. Yeah. Continue. So then eight weeks later, she was, had come back to visit her and her, my stepdad came back to visit and, um, 
they had been here for the weekend and I remember I was in church on a Sunday and I got that little notice on my phone notification your results are ready and I was like oh my gosh this is so cool you know I can't wait to get out of church and like go look at my DNA relatives and find my cousins on there and how we connect and just validation I guess you know <laughs> like I don't know and I got home and did all that. And my husband actually went, was at work and it showed that I had five half siblings. Oh, wow. That's a yeah. lot of siblings to just yeah. pop, to pop right up. I'm sorry. You said your mom and stepdad were visiting. Yeah. So my, I'm sorry, my father, so he's my birth certificate father, but he's mm -hmm. my dad. So mm -hmm. my dad mm -hmm. died when I was 23. Okay. Of osteosarcoma, uh, cancer of the bone. Ouch. So my mom remarried and he's okay. an amazing man and he's wonderful. So yeah. So okay. my and then and uh, they were there, they were so they were, but they were with you. Were they were with you at church when no, they, they the were notice? actually on their drive home. Okay. So they had visited yeah. that weekend, they were on their way home. You were just <laughs> centering yourself at church, and now you have five half siblings. Yes. So I went next door to my friend who is also in the same spot as me and she like loves genealogy and has done all the things. And she's like, I can help you like, you know, with your dad's because I was like, I want to finish my dad's side of the tree. And like, so I went next door, you know, and I asked her and I was like, hey, what is this? And she's like, I think that she kind of knew, but she was just like letting me, you know, because I think you kind of go into shock, you know? And so I called my mom up and I was like, listen, I got my results and I'm not going to, I don't hate you. I'm not going to disown you, but I'm 42 and I need you to tell me the truth now. You know, now's the time to tell me the truth. Here is your opportunity. Which, yes. Like mm. telling me, me telling you that it's time to let skeletons out of the closet wasn't a good time. But um, so she started bawling as most moms do, you know, and um, I said, you know, she told me, she said that your dad and I loved each other and we got married, but then we found out that he couldn't have children. So we went to your grandparents, my dad's parents, and asked them if they cared if we adopted or used a donor. And they said they would prefer to use a donor. So my dad had been in a wheelchair since he was 14. He had had a tumor in his spine and it popped. He was playing basketball. The tumor popped. They went in and did surgery and then like it cut off a nerve. Wow. Yeah. So I think, and you know, back then there's all this shame, right? Like mm -hmm. you just don't talk about things. Everyone kept everything in. So um, I told my mom that she needed to tell my sister my sister needed to hear it from her and that I wasn't going to keep it a secret. So the sooner than later. You told her that you best. told her that right away. Same phone call. Right away. Mm -hmm. Right. Same phone call. And then she had my, and I said, an in-person would be best. So she did that and cried her way through it and all that stuff. And um, my sister and I got on a phone call with her together and asked all of our questions and, you know, like how and why, and what was it like, <laughs> you know? Um, and then, you know, the shock wore off and um, you start feeling like all of those, like, like you're, so I 
found your workbook. Mm-hmm. Who even am I anymore? Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I told my therapist, I see a therapist once a week. I called my therapist um, who I actually hadn't seen in a while. So, and I said, Hey, are you still taking, are you taking new patients? Cause I need to see you because I have like this huge thing, you know? And so she was like, Oh yeah, I'm taking patients. So her and I started working through your workbook together. Cool. So, yeah. So that was kind of like how I found out and it does kind of just, I went through, I've gone through like all the stages of grief per se, you know, mm-hmm. um, I loved my, I mean, I love my dad, um, but we were never close with his family. I never spent a Thanksgiving or a Christmas with his family. No holidays. We maybe went up there once in the summer, but we drove. So from New Mexico to Washington, that was pretty far. Um, so, but you know, now looking back, so um, Danny Shapiro talks about the unthought known. So are you familiar with that? Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> so after reading her book, I was like, oh, you know, there are these little things like from my childhood, like people used to call me the milkman's daughter. And, and I was like, I'm not, and my mom would always say, I'm not adopt. You're not adopted, which I wasn't, but they didn't, you know, say, Oh my gosh. So, and then, um, my sister played softball and she had a team dinner, like, you know, before game, they had team dinners at their house. And she had a team dinner at the house and a girl walked into our house and said, I didn't know that, you know, Jenny, you know, our last name was um, related to you. And she was like, yeah, she's my sister. And they were like, no, because we're so different. Like, and even then that little thing never, I was just like, it's so, what is the deal? You know, people don't look like. Why would you? Why would you think anything else? But I know that I say that every week, but I know. I, like siblings yeah. can be different. Yes, totally. So, and we were very opposite and, but, you know, just little things like we had a family picture done when I was a kid. And even to this day, I look at that picture and I remember staring at that picture as a kid and trying to find like, who looks most like my dad? Who looks like my dad's side of the family? Now, if you put a picture of my cousin, who's not even his son, and my dad next to each other at the same age, they look identical. Uh-huh. So there's some strong genes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I always struggle to find, like, how are we related? Who do we look like? Do mm-hmm. I look like my grandma? You know, and my mom was always telling us, that's for me. You get that from me. You know, so there were all these little like innuendos, so to speak. Right. Do you think that not spending time with your grandparents for very much or for the holidays, do you think that was related to being donor? To, I don't know. So, kid? yeah, okay. so now I do think that. And so that's the crazy thing. Like my mom said that she never told her parents her side of the family. She's like, I'm not sure if they ever knew. Right. So it's just something that they didn't talk about. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, my parents fought a lot. They probably should have gotten a divorce. My, um, you know, I never felt unloved or not loved, but my mom had some mental health issues. Um, and she revealed some trauma recently from her childhood 
that she's never told anyone. Mm-hmm. So she, she never told anyone until her husband now, my stepfather, and then me and my sister just recently. So it like brings it full circle and it makes perfect sense, right? Like, yeah, I don't hate my mom and I'm not like, I'm more disappointed and hurt like that as an adult, you know, she can't, can't see because she says, if you wouldn't have done 23 me, I would have never have told you. She still said that. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, one of my new siblings and I reached out to her and sent him a letter of, with pictures of different stages of our lives. And we just said, we don't want anything from you. Like, really, we have good lives. We're secure. You know, we don't need anything, but we exist because of something that you did. So I think that whole generation is just taught to like shut things down and not, no one speaks. Right. 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 About anything. Yeah. That's, yeah. That wasn't the agreement with donor conception. Like the agreement was no one will ever know I did this. Mm-hmm. This is totally anonymous. And the for all parties, like it just wasn't, you know, like, oh, yeah, it's it's as if it didn't happen is sort of what, what they were promised. And so that's how they treat it. I think for a lot of people, they're just yes. like until you marry one of your cousins, <laughs> right? like they're just like, oh, no, like that was that was not, that was not <laughs> this was not a part of the, the deal. <laughs> this was yes. not a part oh, of the package. Yeah. And I don't even mean it, you know, necessarily like maliciously or like that they have a bad attitude about it. It's just like, I, I really think like their brains just don't, yeah. you know, I don't, yeah, does not compute, does not compute. <laughs> um, Some of this family has connected with us. We got, um, they've told us that he's advised family members not to speak to any of the donor conceived children. Um, but my aunt showed up his sister and I'm like, Oh, I wonder if she, but she won't respond to any of my emails. So I'm like, well, did she, why did she test? Mm -hmm. Do you want to see how many were out there? You know what I mean? Cause yeah, very very possible. So I sent them a Christmas card this year, both of them. And I just sent it. Like I sent it to everybody else. Cause I'm like, the fact of the matter is, is that as donor conceived people, I do think it's a beautiful thing. You know, I always thought my parents' love story was so amazing, you know, that she chose him, even though he was in a wheelchair and he went to college and he drove a car and, you know, he didn't let that stop him from living his life being in a wheelchair and that they were able to create a beautiful family. I think it's a magical thing, but it's certainly not anything to be ashamed of. And so I think that it, you know, I can't judge her and say that if I had grown up in her time, I would have told everyone everything, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I do believe that that would have been very difficult in that time. But, you know, I do Mm -hmm. believe that we're like, I, we asked him for medical information and he has never responded. So thankfully we have a cousin who's reached out and is helping us navigate, but like I have low iron. I've always been anemic since I was a kid. We have a son who has allergies. We never knew where that came from. And then my half sister that I grew up with, we have two different donors. So she had been hospitalized with blood issues. And that was never a time that, you know, my mom should have been like, that might've been an opportunity. Here's your window. (laughs) Yes. 
So, you know, I get it. I get that that is hard. And, um, but like Brene Brown, are you familiar? Mm -hmm, with mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. So Brene Brown talks about being vulnerable. And I wrote down something because she says, she says, I think being vulnerable feels dangerous. I think it feels scary. And I think it's terrifying. These, This is what people say to her. But I don't think it's dangerous, scary, or terrifying as getting to the end of our lives and wondering what if I would have shown up? What if I would have shared my hurts? You know, what if we would have? So I think that generation now is feeling all those. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't, you know, they know, like, I think my mom knows that she didn't do the right thing, but she's been so programmed growing up in that generation that we just don't talk about anything. You know, my kids know that I see a therapist. My kids know I'm on an antidepressant. My kids know about this even, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and that they have more cousins out there and more aunts and uncles than, you know, I'm just, I feel like I, you know, I believe in God and I believe that everyone has a purpose. And I really feel like maybe that was, this is the part of why, you know, why I'm here is I'm supposed to break that cycle in our family of the shame and the secrets and the everything being held in. Cause I think when we hold all of that in for so long, it just eats away at us and it makes us bitter and it makes us angry, you know? And like, even for instance, my mom not sharing her childhood trauma, she's in her seventies. Right. I mean, she carried that and never told anyone for years. And so now it makes sense why, yeah. You know, she feels the way she does. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. It's hard to imagine holding something, holding multiple things for that long. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's hard to imagine it um, being of that generation and learning this, the, all these new ways, right? Like yes. these new thoughts and theories and um, you know, Brené Brown didn't exist when they were, yes. when, when all our moms yeah. were impressionable young women. Yeah. Um, and so reconciling the way they're, yeah, like the way they're programmed and neural pathways and the way mm -hmm. the world works with, with these new ideas, like that's got yeah. to be hard and strange. And maybe some, for some people too hard and too strange, they can't, yes. they can't look at it and others do get, you know, have the, or embrace the opportunity to, to examine all of that. Um, but but yeah, how interesting for you to be sort of handed this. Like, I do believe that there's a time and there was a place. So I'm disappointed. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad died. He uh, was diagnosed with cancer. And then five months later, he was gone. And I wrote mm. him this letter and like how he was, you know, amazing and all this stuff. But I also think that, wow, looking back, you know, my mom and I's relationship hasn't always been the warmest, if you want to say, put it that way. And my, she told me once that my dad said that if you don't be careful, she's going to walk out of here and never come back. She mm. told me that after he had died. And, but, you know, often we get along with like our parent, our friend's parents mm -hmm. and our, and mm -hmm. maybe was I close with my dad because he actually wasn't my blood relative, you know, right. I've gone into, um, being a photographer, but I'm like so fascinated with sociology and why people have the way that they do. And, you know, the whole thought of generational trauma and how we pass that on to our children. And so, 
Yeah. yeah. I just think it's interesting. Like, why do we have these connections? So I was sad um, that my dad and mom didn't feel like, I don't think he should have told me on my deathbed, but you know, I was 18, 19. I moved out of my house as soon as possible. I was like, I want to be on my own. I got to do this. If it takes two jobs, I'm going to do that. And no one felt like they should maybe tell me, be like, you're 18, you're doing fine. And Mm -hmm. here you go. You know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And even now that I've had my kids and my family and I let my mom and every time I try to talk to my mom about it, she shuts down. She doesn't Mm. want to talk about it. She thinks I should leave the donor alone and not talk to him. So when um, I found this out, I had these five siblings and one of them um, had found out when she was young um, at age 12, but she, back then she didn't have any access to 23 and me or yeah. So So she's known this like this idea out there. Yeah. So she had known this whole time. So all these years she had done this research connected with the family and she's kind of like the person who taught when a new sibling pops up, she is ready. (laughs) She's the diplomat. She's the diplomat. Yeah. The ambassador, the donor yes. ambassador. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like every every sibling group has one. Yes. Yeah. So she's great. And she'll be like, we have a new sibling and she'll post about it. But like, I, this is my first time speaking publicly about it. Like, I've never shared anything on my social media. I've never shared um, anything on Facebook or Instagram or but everybody knows, like, if I saw you on the street, I'd be like, Oh, my God, you know, they're like, where mm-hmm. are you from? Who are your parents? I'm like, blah, You're like, it's <laughs> incredible. buckle up. It's incredibly complicated. <laughs> yeah. So when you connected with those five siblings, were you the newest person? Did everybody know before you all those five? Yeah. They all were n- already in communication and knew or yeah, so four of them were already in connection and knew one of them has never reached out to any of us. So he shows up as a half brother on all of our 23 and me's we've all reached out to him. He's never connected ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the donor has two sons that he raised on his okay. own. Okay. And they're on Facebook, but their Facebooks are locked down, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. probably since like 2015, since everyone right. started showing up, right? right? You see every, you see 2015 and then nothing else. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like, oh, interesting. So my husband and I went to Washington last fall and we met three of the siblings, half siblings and a cousin. So that was cool. And then right over the 4th of July, another sibling popped up and she, you know, went through the shock. She was like, thank you everyone for being so warm and welcoming. And then she, her account, which is fine. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I had to step away, you know, I mean, all the information that's fed to you and your whole life, you're told this narrative, Right. And then you're grieving. You know, I loved my father. He was amazing. I know he was a person. He was a human. And, you know, my mom says he did things and I don't need to know about those things. He's not here to defend himself, but we're all human. Nobody's perfect. We've all made mistakes. I think, though, that it saddened me to think like there's, you know, we named I would look at my son, our oldest son, and I would be like, oh, my gosh, he just looks like my dad. 
he has these sunken in eyes. He looks so much like him. And then you have that grief of, wow, like he's not, he's not related to him. It's just a coincidence. Yeah, totally. So I think you missed that part of, so that's why it's been so helpful to work through your workbook is like really touching base on those things of like, what makes me tick and why does this hurt? And some things that maybe that unthought known that I had mm-hmm, always kind mm-hmm. of had, you know, maybe I didn't, I kind of always knew something was different, but I didn't know how to like pinpoint it. Mm-hmm. How can you speak at all to what um, your sister's experiences was like of finding out about this? Yeah. So my sister that I grew up with, uh-huh. she, um, when she did, once she found out she did 23 me and her donor popped up. Oh. Yeah. And it was just too much for her to handle. Okay. Yeah. She never reached out to him. She never, and he never reached out to her or emailed her, but she never searched for her family. She knew that I was like searching. Mm-hmm. Um, but she never reached out or, you know, yeah, anything to him. So that's so interesting because I have been slowly, I talk about it and I've talked about it in a a couple episodes ago, maybe five, I don't know when, when I did a woman named Freya Lyon and she has a sibling and another, oh, another, I did Kira Shu, who was another episode. Anyway, almost always. If there are two siblings, one is incredibly interested in the in the donor experience. Yeah. And the other is not. Oh yeah. For whatever reason. So <laughs> right? Like something is it's something, you know, the other sibling. It's so interesting. So like I that. do think like my sister was so close with my dad. Mm-hmm. And I really don't think that she ever got over his death, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And that was 20 years ago, but I just think for her, it was like too much. And then one thing after another happened in her life, this like domino effect of things, we lost our dad and then my grandfather died and then my uncle died. And then, you know, just this chain of Mm -hmm. events. And I just think it was just too much for her to like sort of. And too exhausting too. Like, I feel like I am so like, I want to know more and I'm always searching and I'm getting on ancestry and looking for, and it's like this story piece, but for her, I just think it may have been too much, you know, it was too much, but now that she's gone, I've expressed to my brother-in-law, like, Hey, if you know, when the time is right, if you want to hand over her 23 and me and ancestry accounts to me and I will manage them. And then um, if your kids, when they get older, have any questions or they want to explore or, you know, then at least like I'm a safe person for them to do, you know what I mean? So they're not going in like cold turkey, I don't know, or blinded. Yeah. Yeah. I totally understand feeling too overwhelmed by it, Um, especially if you have a sibling that is demonstrating, um, enthusiasm for it maybe that gives yeah. some people a break <laughs> like the other sibling yeah, yeah. Like, okay good you take it <laughs> yeah, like, like you go ahead and do yeah, whatever I cannot yeah. even yeah I can't deal hmm. yeah. yeah I do think that there's a piece though that's like for me that's like you know this whole vulnerability piece and speaking our truth and um having the right to know you know there's so many studies that say 
that if you adopt a child, that that child from birth, I mean, from a young age should always know that they're adopted, you know? And so we have friends. I have a friend who's been adopted. She's always known. So it's always been a part of her narrative, you know? So now at 45, I'm like, oh, looking for things. And then we have these pictures we of my new sibling group and we look alike. We're not, you don't walk down the street and you're like, oh my gosh, you're related, but you mm -hmm. can see the similarities. And then um, the new sibling that popped up and my other sibling that was going to be on today, when you put their pictures together, they look like they could be twins. And oh, two wow. of the other girls look like they could be twins. And so there's eight children altogether of his, four boys, four girls. And the three oldest were all born in the same month, like within a week of each other. Oh, wow. So I think I really have a passion now for just raising awareness mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and talking to people and, you know, raising awareness that because, you know, no one kept records and there was a flood somewhere. Yeah, there's always a fire. <laughs> there was a fire or a flood mm -hmm. and we don't have any mm -hmm. of those things anymore, you know. So, and like, I know you've talked about before, there won't be any more secrecy anymore. Right. Anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so going forward, I think there should always be, you need to be updating your information. And when that child's 18, they have a right to know. And you know what I'm saying? I think that my parents' generation was so in the thought of like, they owed like he owes me something, you know, like hmm. if I'm contacting him, we must want something. Right. And I'm like, I had a dad and I know that's not the case for everyone. I know that some people had horrific childhoods. And so they're looking for that father figure and they're like, well, I found my father. So now we can have that relationship. I, yeah. I just think the possibilities are endless and that can be too scary for some people, you know, donors. Oh yeah. And I also think that 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 generation or parents generation i don't know how to describe this exactly but um you know the era or like dawn of like internet scams mm -hmm. that happened when they were already adults like that that started to happen i don't know in the 90s whenever the internet started to, to happen right and i like i think my mom and and my dad like they're really scared they're really scared of like people on the internet Oh, yeah. And and so, you know, like this idea that someone would reach out and say this thing. My mom is constantly like, oh, that's that's not real. Oh, that is. Oh, that's a, you know, careful. That is a Russian bot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I don't know that she knows what a Russian bot is, but, yeah. you know, she's like, oh, that's a, that's, you know, like. So I think they got the fear of that got really like hammered into them. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm making excuses and defending people un oh, unnecessarily, no. but I, I think, think that that's, that is a part of it. And then, and then added to that, the endless possibilities of what a real re relative yeah. could, could want. Oh yeah. Well, and two, I think like I asked my mom to test, I was like, I really want you to test because deep in my heart, I feel like there's something. Else. So I asked my mom, did you have an adopt? Did you give up a baby? Did you mm -hmm. like all the things, right? And she says, no, but I just, there's something in me now that's like, what else is there mm -hmm. that I don't mm -hmm. know, you know? So I was like, will you test? And she was like, absolutely not. 
I'm not testing. I'm not giving my DNA to the government. Ironically, she was in the army. She was a nurse in the army. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, guess what? They already have everything they want on you. <laughs> they know where you live. They, <laughs> you know, and I'm not trying to be like, oh, ah, but right. I really believe that. Like you signed your life over. They know everything about you. They want to know, you know? And I told her, I was like, listen, I've had three kids. I've had my wisdom teeth removed. I've given blood. If someone wanted my DNA, they have it by now. <laughs> yeah. There's lots of ways. Yeah. Lots of ways for them to get but it. But that's so foreign for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Foreign, scary. Do you have any thoughts on or feelings about your mom and dad going to his parents to ask about what they would prefer a donor or adoption or however that conversation really went. My dad was the oldest of four boys. And so I do find it interesting. Like, why would you even care? You know? Right. So it's like, well, why did you go to them? Did you mm -hmm. go to them for my, was it a money thing? You know, like, did you need money? So you went to them because, you know, you sometimes people just get pregnant and they didn't spend any money. <laughs> so know, getting pregnant know. can totally be free. Yes, <laughs> but not always, <laughs> but not always. So I don't know if it was a money thing, but I think, you know, and then I, I, so I really don't know how that, hmm. um, but knowing my grandparents, you know, my grandmother didn't even have her driver's license. She was from Canadian descent. So, you know, so then there's that dynamic, right? right. My grandfather was in the Navy. My grandmother married him. They lived in the U S she didn't have a driver's. I mean, I could go a lot of places with that whole 50s, 40s. Yeah, it's just curious. It's curious, of course, you know, yeah. of course, no way to know. But especially knowing he's the oldest of four boys. So the likelihood of a name and bloodline continuing is very good. Yeah. So yes. it's not like they had to come and be like, we have some super bad news. Like it ends here. <laughs> yeah. How should we handle it? Or what, whatever, you know, yeah. whatever. Like, yeah, probably may have been a very innocent conversation or or normal conversation about the funding for this kind of thing. And um, yeah, but it's just, I, of course, curious, you know. But my dad and cousin who look alike, um, they're my dad and his brother were 11 years apart, the youngest. So the two middle passed away the two middle boys passed away and one of them mm. passed away when my mom was, my mom and dad were dating. And um, so my uncle, that was the youngest, he was in high school when my parents were dating. So when he grew up, got married, had kids, my, so I'm the oldest and then the youngest were 16 years apart. But now if you put a picture together, I found a picture of them the other day, they look so, you know, all that time apart, the DNA is still mm -hmm. there. They look mm -hmm. so much alike. So I do wonder if my mom's parents ever wondered, you know, but with my parents background of fighting, they separated at a time, they got back together. You know, I do wonder about what, with keeping that secret with only them, what did that do to their marriage? You know, not mm. being able to speak their truth and talk about it and be honest about their struggles. Cause I feel like that there's this part of like, when we keep secrets and we hold all that in, we're kind of in the dark, right? We just fester all this bitterness and we're in the dark and it's only ours to keep. Yeah. But yeah. when we step out of it and 
you know, be honest, then it's like a light shines. There's so much weight taken off of us. And I'm not saying go out and tell everybody everything you've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm saying with people you love and trust and, you know, honor that they can be a safe place. There's someone safe that you can tell. And I'm an open book. I'm just like, this is how it is. And if you don't, you know, like it, then that's kind of your deal. But I found more that people open up and I have more authentic, true relationships. Right. When I let that vulnerability piece down. So looking back at my parents, it's like, what kept them, you know, like they separated. It seems impossible not to wonder what, what role it played. Yeah. Like, why didn't they get divorced? Did they not get divorced? Cause then they would have had to be like, well, your dad's not your dad. And, and then how, when I would be like, well, what were you like when you were a kid, dad? And, mm-hmm. and like, how did he feel like that? He, he had to have, right. He's a human just been like, I'm not, you don't get anything from me. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, mm-hmm. but, um, maybe they didn't tell us cause he was afraid we would disown him, which is ridiculous can see that with some kids, you know, I can see like when I was a teenager, why they didn't tell me. Cause I could have been like, well, you're not my dad and I don't have to listen to you. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? Yep. I relate so, to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd like to think that I wouldn't have, but I teenager, so I can see how that could have been used. Mm-hmm. I just wonder how keeping that all in affected their relationship mm-hmm. and affected, um, my grandparents, you know, so my mom's parents lived in the same city as us. And we were always told that we moved there because my grandfather was sick and they wanted to be closer, which I totally get. But was it because of, you know, uh, I mean, did my grandma ever wonder? Like, Mm -hmm. do you know, like they fight, my parents fight all the time and all this stuff. And so my grandmother, my dad's mother, my mom says that she would have to call her and remind her of our birthdays and like, are you going to send a gift? And she would send a check and my mom would buy our gifts and say that it's from grandma. And so I'm like, but then when we saw her, I never felt like she didn't not like me, you know, right. right. When you hear those narrative, when you hear things, you're, you know, you wonder, well, was it hard for her? Cause she knew we weren't related. You know, I don't know. It's just, hmm. it's all the yeah. things that you go over in your. Right. You know, and there's no way to get answers to any of that, but it's hard yeah. not to, to just wonder what role donor conception played in all of it. Yes. So we, I mean, we're on a like sibling group text. We talk, you know, a few of us talk like, at least once a month, just mm-hmm. check in and say, how's it going? And then um, the sibling that was going to be on today, her and I talk often, but her and I have a lot in common. We're both runners and we, our kids, some, our kids like kind of look alike, which is mm-hmm. crazy. And so we have a lot in common that way. And she was actually born in the same year my sister was born that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. So when that popped up, I told my neighbor, I was like, did my dad have an affair? the same right right (laughs) trying to figure it out yeah yeah just trying to figure it all out Mm -hmm. yeah so it's interesting but it's hard because you know you have your own lives too are they all in Washington they're all in Washington yeah 
And so we all like have our own lives and I want, I'm like ready to dive in and I'm like, let's get to know each other. But we also have like kids and Mm -hmm. we're doing this thing and we're doing that thing. (laughs) Yeah. It's so hard. It's so complicated, but um, I do think it's something to be celebrated at the same time. I think it's kind of amazing. And Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have a lot, a whole lot of bitterness about it. It's kind of like, I always wanted a brother and now I have three brothers. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole lot of brothers. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. That's kind of just where I am. I feel like, you know, telling my story will hopefully help other people just be like honest with themselves and, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think time and time again, we just keep hearing back that hearing that you're not alone is so powerful and telling, telling, one's story is healing to the person telling it and healing to people hearing it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So thank you for being a part of that. Mm-hmm. It's been, um, it's yeah, it's, it's been sort of an honor to, to listen to, to have, to be a space where people can do that. Um, and do you have advice for anybody that's brand new? Oh, I, I feel like pause, take mm-hmm. a pause. <laughs> It's really important to take a pause because I think like I am excited now in the moment. Right. But I called my husband at work and was like, I have eight half siblings. And he's like, wait, what? (laughs) You know, and then um, the oldest sibling told me all this or the oldest girl told me all the things, you know, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. And then you do go to the place of like, is this a scam? Did these people get my name? Is this for real? Like what is happening? And do I have to wire them a thousand dollars to prove <laughs> that we're related yeah. and then they'll give it back? Yes, totally. <laughs> I think my biggest advice is just take a second. Mm-hmm. And if it takes you a month or it takes you a year or, you know, and if you're in a sibling group and you do have a new sibling pop up, I think it's really important to be respectful of their time too. You know, mm-hmm. it's overwhelming. It it rocks your world. And, you know, I'm so it's so hard to hear parents say, you know, if I hear I will say if I hear one more person tell me it doesn't matter because your dad is your dad right. or it doesn't change anything. I'm sorry. Excuse my language. But that's a bunch of bullshit because mm-hmm. it does change. It changes everything. Right. Everything has changed. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. And my dad was an amazing man, but he is not biologically my father. So none of my character traits, none of my, you know, there's that whole nature versus nurture piece, you know, everything's changed. So I think it's really important just to respect where people are at. If they want to dive in, that's good, but just take baby steps and take your time to digest. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. Right. Your blood's your blood's in there. I think that's that's such good advice. Respect other people's the pace of other people's process and take a minute. Um, I was just thinking about the marketing. I don't know that it was designed as a marketing slogan, but your dad is still your dad comes from such a old this blank slate idea that any baby, you know, and, um, Oh yeah. So I was just thinking that like, wow, that is a marketing slogan that has really permeated our (laughs) culture. Even if you think about not being a conceived person, 
But if you're thinking about like the people whose parents had affairs, right? Mm -hmm, And those mm -hmm. men who raised those children in the back of their head, knowing it wasn't their child, but they didn't want to speak the truth and rock the boat. So they raised those children, Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? And so it's just like, I just think it's really important to be respectful of the situation. But I'm not... I was gonna say no, it's go just ahead. so it's just so much more complex than than the words your dad is still your dad allows there to be any space for. It's just deeper than that. And yes, 100 yeah. percent Yeah. So I um I mean I'm I didn't get on the horn and email the whole family and be like, guess what? <laughs> this is this is what happened. And that's why I haven't shared on I am writing a book. Um, and if it never gets published, then it never gets published, but it's, I'm telling you that your workbook and journaling, my seeing my therapist, I highly recommend a therapist. If you find out if you have a DNA surprise, whatever it is, a D, you know, a donor conceived person or, you know, whatever it is, I think you need to talk to somebody, you know? So it's been so extremely helpful for me to have somebody that's outside of the situation to speak to and mm-hmm. just release it all. So, um, but yeah. Good. Couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that's about it. But I'm mm-hmm. not keeping my, what I, to say to that is I'm not keeping um, any secrets anymore. So if someone asked me about it, if a family member came to me, mm-hmm. then I would tell them, but it's nothing that I'm like broadcasting, you right. know, right, right now on yeah, I think two years then. I don't know. How long has it been since your DNA surprise? It's been five. Remember. It's been five years, like just five years. Yeah. And I'm only in year two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like it's still, you know, maybe a book will be published in seven years. I don't know. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's so much, like, there's I so think... much to happen and two years in and or five years in, there's still, it's still happening, right? Like yeah. it's not over. Yeah. It's not like it was two years since it happened. You're like, it's, you're two years in a process. So, so who knows, but I'm sure you feel like it's even evolved and changed and broadened for you in the two years. So who knows how, how it will continue to change for you. Yeah. And even just like a grief journey, you know, your grief Mm -hmm. journey goes, you know, through hills, hills and valleys. And so I think that's the same Yeah, for this. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's my story. That's your story. Thank (laughs) you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. It's just so nice to, to have someone that just wants to, to, I don't know how to like explain it, but just like, come on and tell their story and you're doing it for you and you're doing it for others. Yeah. Oh, thanks. And it's, um, straightforward, like straight, (laughs) straightforward and simple. (laughs) Like I just, I appreciate that a lot. Um, so great. And I love having some more, um, donor conception. I need more of that this season. So, yeah, um, well, maybe my siblings and I can, we can all come on. Oh man. If you could rally, rally them, that would be really fun. Yeah. But, um, thank you. I want to thank you so much for creating, I know this can be hard. I've run a business. I know this isn't necessarily a business. It's an outreach, but I feel like, I know what the work is, all the work that you put into it. And so I really appreciate you being Uh here, talking to people and 
it's so nice to just be able to get on. And sometimes I just need to listen to mm -hmm. other people's stories and even to have your workbook. Like there's nothing like that out there. And many um, therapists don't even know. And so right. I feel like going to your therapist with your workbook, it's like a way for you to learn together. So it's really been great. Oh, great. Good. That's what I hoped for it. Yeah. So yeah. lovely to hear. I'm so glad that that's working well for you. I really am. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, thanks. Yeah. I'm really wanting to get involved in the advocacy part and mm -hmm. the importance of people telling their story and the whole right to know. And like Colorado's one of the only states that has made it a law now Good. that, you know, people have to tell, you know, Good. if you're a donor yeah. or whatnot. So yeah, I just see myself going forward, kind of like advocating mm -hmm. in that way. That's great. Somehow. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so yeah. much. Oh, I appreciate wow. yeah. it. Thanks for your patience. This worked out. No, this worked out. I mean, this worked out great. This, um, so, uh, yeah. Okay. That's it. So, have a great rest of what day is it? It's Monday. So, it's Monday, beginning of the week. <laughs> All right. You can do this. You can do this. All right. You have a great rest of your week, too. Okay. All right. Bye, Jenny. Okay. I feel a little bit silly. Uh, I just said that thing about appreciating an episode that's straightforward and that isn't promoting something. And then Jenny went and talked about my journal, like, a lot. So, hey, it's America. Everyone is selling something. Welcome to the land where every house is a hotel. Every car is a taxi. Gotta respect the hustle, I guess. If you are interested in the journal that Jenny was talking about, you can find it on my website, www.everythingsrelativepodcast.com. Of course, you can find it on Amazon. It's called Who Even Am I Anymore? A process journal for the adoptee, late discovery adoptee, donor conceived, MPE and NPE communities. I made it. It's a book full of open-ended questions that I thought might help a person like me or you process this existential crisis and wonderings of a DNA surprise. You can do it on your own. Uh, you can do it with a therapist. You could do it with a group of friends. Um, and also, I offer a therapeutic process group online where we work through it together. Uh, we meet once a week, and the next one starts September 7th. So reach out if that sounds interesting to you. Okay, this was episode 97. Hilariously, I'm not sure if that's right. I may have a different number count than like Apple Podcasts, which is... Um, which is funny and kind of on brand. So I'm just going to stick with it. So according to me, we have three more episodes to episode 100. And uh, I hope by the time you hear this episode with Jenny, <laughs> me and Jenny, that I have figured out what I'm doing for that 100th episode. Um, I told Joy, my editor, that I wanted cake. I invited Don Anderson from Missing Pieces podcast. Both were enthusiastic. So hopefully something's happening. Come back next week for episode 98. See what else I've put together for myself. For us. Put together for us. And while you're waiting, don't forget to make sure you've subscribed to the podcast, you've written a review, you've shared it with all your friends. Blah, blah, blah. Deal? My daughter, Margot has this new idea about the word deal. She's always coming up with things and then she sticks her hand out and says, deal? At the end. Like, I'll actually shake her hand. Um, and it will be like ice cream for breakfast. Deal? No, not a deal, <laughs> but um, hey, 
you know, maybe she's on to something. You guys write a review and I'll be back next week with a new episode. Deal? And while you're out there, don't forget to make that physical therapy appointment you've been meaning to make. Stop to smell the roses. And hey, next time you're there, thank the poor folks at the DMV. I mean, we're miserable we're there. Can you imagine how they feel working all day? Anyway, I'm Eve Sturgis. This is Everything's Relative. Bye-bye. Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is produced by Eve Sturgis and Kaylin Egan and edited by Joy Rumor. Logo designed by Ivy McNally and music is used with permission from Goodbye the Band. Eve is a licensed psychotherapist, but her podcast episodes are not therapy sessions. I was always told that my dad is related to the younger brothers and they were a like gang that like robbed Laura Ingalls Wilder. <gasps> Yeah. What? The I younger know. brothers who robbed <laughs> Laura Ingalls Wild? So I was like, oh my gosh, this is fascinating. Not that I want to be related to a gangster, but this is kind of cool, you know? Whoa, man, to be that close to Laura Ingalls as a diehard Laura Ingalls Wilder reader as a kid, this is a very big deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just need to have a minute for this. <laughs>